0: Good morning, everyone. We are looking forward to a wonderful afternoon celebrating baptisms along with all of the great fun food and fellowship we're going to have today. So we hope to see all of you there this afternoon. We are this morning continuing our journey through the book of Colossians. Uh, This message series has been titled... Confidence in Christ. That's the main message that Paul is uh, sharing with the church in Colossae. So let's turn again in our Bibles to the second chapter of Colossians. And uh, while you're finding that, uh, I wanted to just... You know, there's some Sundays where I'm singing the songs and I'm like, I really wish I could have preached my message first. And then we would have sang those songs because... uh, and, And this is a shout out to nancy because she picked the songs for this morning and she knew what the message was what the passage was and so on this morning and when i was singing those songs it's just amazing how many of those lyrics that we sang apply to what the message is about this morning and what this scripture says and so um it's just one of those mornings where i was like oh man if they could sing this after the message it would make, you know, they would realize what that is talking about even more. But um, anyway, thank you for picking those songs and, and hopefully they will lead us into this message today. Okay, we are into the second chapter now of Colossians. Alexis and Grant, or Grant and Alexis, whatever order that was, they got us here to verse uh, 16 of the second chapter. And so now I'm going to read verses 16 to 23. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person... Also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. You know, um, heavy chains are often pictured or thought of when someone is experiencing in their life uh, maybe imprisonment or bondage or perhaps an addiction that somebody is dealing with. Or maybe it's just the weight of the world just you feel like it's on your shoulders, and so chains often represent that. And you know, in these in these verses here, Paul is referring to legalism and how many of the rules and traditions, and even some of the Old Testament law, can can oftentimes feel like a heavy chain or heavy chains on a person's life, which weighs them down and and just keeps them from the freedom and the joy that Jesus can bring to believers. I mean, that's why we need to speak Jesus over all of that stuff. This graphic up on the screen represents the idea that we are actually talking about this morning, kind of in a graphic form. Breaking those chains and being free as the birds to enjoy our life in Christ. Really, there are several points that Paul is making here but the comparison he makes between the freedom we can find in Jesus and the weight of our our human effort i think that's really the main point that that he's he's getting after so instead of a you know a list of rules and regulations that the church in colossae was living but living by paul presents christ as their way to freedom And to salvation and to fullness in their life. In fact, in in verse 10 that was read earlier, he said, In Christ you have been brought to fullness. There is nothing else that will earn you salvation that will bring forgiveness of sins or free you from the human rules that people try to weigh you down with. Paul isn't necessarily saying that, that all rules are bad. He, uh, in Romans 7, in fact, he says this. He says, the law is holy and the commandments are holy, righteous, and good. And so, you know, the law <clears throat> does give us standards for behavior. It convicts us of sin It gives us the opportunity to ask God for forgiveness, as well as it encourages us to trust that Jesus' death and resurrection is enough to give us a right standing with God. But he is saying that the law can never make you acceptable to God. Following legalistic rules can never give us right standing with God because we would have to follow them perfectly. And no one is perfect except Jesus. And so, you know, keeping certain laws and rules will not earn you salvation and it will not earn you your way into heaven when this life on earth is finished. Instead, what they do... Is they weigh you down and they are like a chain around your neck. And so what Paul is doing here is, he is he's sharing three truths really that we need to embrace or that we need to experience in our lives in order to find the true freedom of Christ that we're promised as his followers. And so the first truth is the completeness That we have in Christ. We talked about this some last week in the in the passage we looked at. But in these verses here, Paul is urging the Colossians to not let others judge them on based on religious practices, you know, certain foods that they can or cannot uh, eat or drink or lots of other things. They were adding all kinds of stuff to it. I mean, those external rituals are just shadows of the true reality that we find in Christ. Because, as Paul saying, Christ is the fulfillment of all things. And it is through Christ that we find our purpose and our meaning in life. It is by faith in Christ's finished work on the cross that we are justified. ...that we are made righteous before God. And thus, we are set free from those chains. They break free, they fall off of us, and so on. No external observances... ...no hard work that you do... ...no religious activities... ...none of that can take away from your completeness... ...in Christ... Another way to say that maybe is the way the sermon title is worded this morning. Human effort cannot earn you salvation or punch your, your ticket into heaven. And that's because it is not earned. It is a gift from God for those who believe, receive it, and follow Jesus Christ. In verses 6 and 7 that we heard earlier, um, Paul was encouraging the church to be rooted in Christ. He was encouraging us to be built up in him and always be strengthening our faith. We are complete, yes, and we have all that we need in Christ, but we always need to stay alert. We always need to continue to grow in our faith and we need to be thankful for the spiritual freedom that is is ours. In the very next verses, he stresses why why that's important. It says, see to it that no one takes you through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. And you see, that was the problem at Colossae. They were being taken captive and weighed down with the weight of legalism, the weight of rules. And it was just a never-ending demand uh, of human effort. And that can happen to us today pretty easily if we're not careful. And that's what led to the second truth that Paul is writing about in verses 16 through 23. The dangers of legalism. Now, as I as I said, Paul is not against rules, and Paul is not against hard work in general in a general sense. But but what he is warning us about here is combining those things, those things as requirements of our salvation. Things that lead to legalistic legalistic tendencies are really the issue that he's addressing here. Now, of course, you know, what is legalism? Legalism is the belief that we can earn God's favor through some strict adherence to certain rules and and certain regulations. I I like the way he mentions it in verse 21. Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. He could go on and on there and add a lot other. Do not do this. Do not do that. I mean, obviously in life, there are some things... Uh, in, the, in this world that we should not handle, that we should not taste, that we should not touch, we should not have anything to do with for our own health, for our own well-being, and so on. But we should not use those things as spiritual requirements to faith in Christ. So often, uh, you know, in the world, people think of God and, and the Bible when it comes to the do's and don'ts that they usually hear you know what they don't realize is that the inner transformation that takes place in a Christ follower actually helps us to be free from many of those things you know it's not it's not that the the law does not apply to us or that you know our temptations are gone after we believe and follow Christ, but the weight, the weight and the chains that legalism focuses on are lifted from us. I mean, what Paul is stressing here is that that man-made rules and religious rituals can often hinder and diminish the grace of God and the freedom of salvation that we have in Christ. Christ. It's a free gift. It's not something you earn. It's not something that you work for. I probably should say that several times this morning so we get it. So we get it, you know, that salvation is a free gift. It's not something you have to work for. It's not something you have to earn. Uh, St. Peter's not sitting up there in heaven with a checklist to see if you have done enough to earn your way into heaven. And thank goodness for that. Amen. in Romans uh, 4, 16, when Paul was writing to the church in Rome, he talked about this a lot. And he said this, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, If we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Now if you look at that, at first glance, it appears that Paul is saying, do whatever you want. Don't worry about it. Just do as you please. But in reality, what he's saying is that Abraham pleased God by his faith alone. long before there were all of these rituals and rules and traditions that had become so important to the Jewish people of of that time. So, So that's what Paul is saying here in Colossians 2. We also are saved by faith in Christ and God's grace that comes to us through Jesus. Paul explains it this way a little bit more in Romans 5 verse 20 to 21, which is also up there on the screen. He said, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if you know Romans, you know he goes on to say, this doesn't mean we just go out and sin, sin, sin because we know that grace is there, but that's another whole message. So we're not gonna we won't go into that this morning. But it's interesting what Paul says in Colossians two, twenty three here. He says, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, but they are lacking. So you know it's not that they are that they aren't sometimes needed. It's not that that they are sometimes not helpful. But if that becomes the whole purpose of your religion or your faith, you see how that distorts the free gift of salvation and redemption that Jesus gave up his life for on the cross of Calvary. In the Old Testament, of course, it was animal sacrifices and other things that people paid for the penalty of of their sin. But Jesus came to be the one-time sacrificial lamb for all of our sins. And so the, the blood that Jesus shed on the cross... Covered all who will come to him in repentance and receive the grace and forgiveness that he freely offers. You see, that allows us to be free from the bondage of chains and of life that so often weigh people down. Chris Tomlin did a remake of the hymn Amazing Grace some years ago, and of course, we sing it often here in in church. Um, my chains are gone I've been set free my God, my Savior ransomed me Erica said it well during her song you know, I don't know what has been weighing you down lately in your life I mean, everybody has different challenges everybody has different things going on in their life but I do know that Jesus wants to take it from you and Jesus wants to help you find freedom from it. Or Jesus wants to help you as you go through it, whatever it might be. On the front of the bulletin today, there's a picture uh, of a bird and the words that say, Free at last. You know, I think of the birds, you look at the birds, your life can be as free as the birds that come and go and all of your bird feeders and bird houses. Um, if you give all of your worries and cares to Jesus, maybe that can be a visual picture for us this week. You know, as we see the birds coming and go free as a bird, we can be that free. The third truth that Paul stresses is that our identity needs to be in Jesus. Not in the things of this world. Identity seems to be a big issue these days. We hear a lot about it. As a believer in Jesus, when your identity is rooted in Christ... It won't be uprooted by everything else. We have died with Christ to the world's ways and we have been raised to new life in him. And therefore we are no longer bound by worldly rules and, and regulations. You know, the, the do not handle, do not taste, do not touch commands that Paul mentions. Those are all that represents man-made regulate, regulations that really lack any spiritual value. Our identity is now rooted in Christ and it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are enabled to live a life that honors God. And you know, we're going to celebrate baptisms this afternoon at the pond. Christopher and Jennifer going to be exciting. I've already talked to them about it this week and this morning again. But baptism is a sign of a new life of a believer in Jesus and the new life that Jesus brings to us. This is how Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians five sixteen to 21. I'm probably going to read this again when we're out there at the pond, but I have to read it here too. This is what Paul, Paul says in 2 Corinthians we might become the righteousness of God. The old is gone. The new is here. That old identity of of worldly living is now given way to our new identity in Jesus. And he is our way, our truth, and our life. So how do we live that out? We live out our new identity in Christ by pursuing a life of holiness, of grace, and of love. And our actions, of course, should flow from the abundance of a heart that has been transformed by by God's love. It shouldn't come from a sense uh, of like it's an obligation or it shouldn't come out of fear that we have. It should come from God's love for us. As followers of Jesus, we must serve each other. We must serve one another in humility. We must walk in love and we must be a shining light in this world that is in so much need of God's grace and God's truth. I know I talk about, I know I talk about that a lot, being light in this dark world, but that is what we are called to as followers of Jesus. To be that light. And we know it's dark out there. This past week I happened to be looking at the social media profile of of someone who is well known in the media world. And you know most of the time people on their bios there will put who they work for. Where they were born. Other things like that about their personal life. When you try to look to see who they are. Well this person started with I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and then he went on to list the other things, you know, who he works for, you know, family, all, all that kind of stuff. But it started, he started with his true identity as a believer and a follower of Jesus. Now in some circles, or maybe in some occupations, people might take issue with that. You know, they may not like that. If we proclaim that as our identity or that's where we start when talking about ourselves. But that shouldn't matter if if that's truly where we start when we tell somebody who we are, what we're about and where our life is focused. I think maybe it's good for us to think about that ourselves. You know, if someone comes up to you and asks, who are you? How do you begin to tell them who you are. What will you start with? Well, in some of these earlier verses, Paul talked about the mystery that has now been revealed. I want to touch on that just a little bit here. Yet, In verses 26 and 27 of chapter one, which were read earlier. Um, it says the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. That's where you find your identity in this world. It's also where you find freedom and you find hope and deliverance from all of those things that that tend to weigh you down and keep you from finding purpose and fulfillment in your life. And what does Paul say here in verse 10? In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. And so, in, in closing, you know what can we take from this today? I hope we can realize or or be reminded that our salvation And our sanctification through Christ, or in faith, is through Christ alone. No human effort, no religious activity can add to what Christ has already accomplished for us. Instead, we need to to focus our lives on cultivating a deep relationship with Christ... And allowing his spirit to transform us from the inside out and receiving the freedom that he has bought for us through his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Now, of course, some of the things like gathering together as the body to worship and Bible studies to grow, those are all helpful and great things. But you cannot earn your salvation by doing things or by good deeds that you do. Or by trying to be the best person that you can be. Please do, but... (laughs) Please be the best person you can be. But it's not going to earn you your salvation because it's a free gift. You can't earn it by following rules, regulations, and religious traditions. It is a gift that needs to just be received by you personally. And when we receive Jesus into our life... Of course, we also receive the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us into that identity that we claim. And so the Spirit is there to help us stay focused on our freedom in Christ instead of all of the world's ways of challenging them. I think maybe the best way to end this morning is just to go back to what Paul said in verses 6 and 7 of of chapter 2. And so we'll end with this encouragement. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I think that we can all say amen to that. Let's stand together and let's go to the Lord in prayer as we respond and as we are dismissed this morning father in heaven we we praise your name we pray that your kingdom may come soon and that your will may be done on this earth as it is in heaven help us to see our part in that we worship you today lord with reverence and awe because of who you are and what you have done for us we are blessed with this gift that you have given to us of salvation and saving us from our sin. We are blessed that you call us your people. And so help, help us, Lord, to, to love you and listen to, to Jesus with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Help us to live in your salvation and realize that, that this gift to us as we live our lives in this world is not something that we earn by doing good or following rules. Lord, as we look around at the state of our community, our nation, and our world, we need your deliverance. You alone are God over all of the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. So give ear, O Lord, and hear, pour out your Holy Spirit, May we see people seeking your name again. May we see the good news of Jesus change first ourselves and our church and our community, but then our nation and our world. Lord, revitalize the church and transform society so that all kingdoms on this earth may know that you, you alone. O oh Lord, our God. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a blessed week, everyone, and we hope to see you this afternoon at 3 p.m.